are you a Nescaf granules girl? I'm like supermarket owned decaf instant girl. Mm. Oh gosh. Hello, welcome to the Real Work Podcast with me, Fleur Emery. Unedited conversations with women who are changing up the world of work. Extraordinary women who are founders, thought leaders, or trailblazers here to inspire and inform your idea of what's possible for you. Today's guest is first Sukpai Boon, who has an incredibly funny story about how she was named, which comes right at the end as a little bomboosh of this conversation, if, um, if you get that far, which hopefully you will do. And first is in Bangkok at the moment, working on an architecture project, but she was formerly a hipster cafe founder and um, started a brand which was sort of too cool for school. Everyone wanted it. And she binned it off and, and took, a, took a big change. And um, her story's, yeah, I mean, she's brave, isn't she? She's just bold, brave. She just took a, took a big leap. And um, it's like when it, she kind of won the lottery and then threw away the card to do something different. Yeah, it's kind of like an anti-success story, yeah. but still ends in success. It's like the opposite story that you hear when we talk about, oh, this is my business journey. It goes the opposite direction, but still ends in success. You, um, halfway through, you sort of made Bambi eyes like, oh no, this is going to end badly, isn't it? And it was just like, it's okay, don't worry. Just hang in there. Stay until the end. You'll be glad you did. show first this is turning into more of a kind of a, a good morning radio show than a than a podcast lately you're very well so good to me nice to see you it's been this a is good evening is it what time is it where you are <laughs> um this is what half six yeah 27 and what can we see from yeah, your window what can we see from the window behind you hi rice bangkok cityscape <laughs> Exactly that. Tip typical um, you know, Bangkok scene. Have you ever been to Bangkok, Annabelle? I have. I have you? loved it. I have, yeah. yeah. Have I went you? two years ago. I did um I had two, two weeks ago. in Thailand. That's quite it recently. Was amazing. I loved it so uh, much. Where where did you go? <sighs> um <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you where in Bangkok it was. We were, it, we were right in the middle. Did you go to the hot, the Hard Rock Cafe or something? I don't think we did. No, we did. We had four days in Bangkok. Then we went to. We got the night train to um, Phuket, and then we went to oh. some amazing little islands called Koh Yao Noi. Um, and then we went actually. to Krabi, and then I came home. It was beautiful. I loved Bangkok. I loved how busy and crazy it was. It's mad, isn't it? It's really mad. Were you born in the UK or born in Thailand first? I'm born in Bangkok. I'm born here. Um, how long did you live there before you left? Oh, I've only been in the UK for like, what, 13 years? So you're at so, home. Yeah, so I grew up here. Oh, I see, because I only know you from London. And I, I wouldn't even say that. Yeah. 
Um, it, it's a weird one. I mean, it's a weird one. Yes, I grew up here, but I think um, um, my my family is definitely not kind of like a typical sort of Thai, um, you know. And I grew up um, with this sort of Western inference, like a lot. In the city? Yeah, in, in the city. Um, but I think because, you know, my, my family is a bit like messed up as well. <laughs> but the funny, one of the funny thing was um, my cousin uh, who live in America, they, they're born in Chicago and live in Chicago. And I think when I was maybe 13, I wrote the letter to Joe, my cousin, and I had no memory of this, right? And then I catch up with him maybe like five, six years ago. And he said to me that, oh, you remember, I went back to my mum's and then I found this letter that you wrote to me. And do you remember what do you say? And I was like, no, I have no memory whatsoever. And he said, one day when I grow up, I'm going to go abroad, like somewhere, right? And say, I'm going to have a foreigner, like a white boyfriend. Is that and your ambition? Thirteen. Your ambition was the. <laughs> no, it's just so funny. And then somehow I just say because Thai man is just so rubbish. And I was thirteen. Like, <laughs> what did I know? Thai men. That's just... your assessment of all of the men in the entire country, <laughs> age of thirteen. That's very revealing of your personality. That's just so bizarre, and they're just like, seriously, Joe. Did I actually write that? It's like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not joking you. I can show you the letter that you did, and it came true. It's mad, isn't it? It's a bit like what? Tell me when we when we first met. So um, when we first met, you were living in East London, and you were yeah. deeply embedded in the the hipster coffee shop scene. How did that even happen? Like putting that 13-year-old girl, beaming her forward in time, how did you end up starting like the coolest coffee bar in London? Oh, thanks, Claire. (laughs) That's too kind. It was cool. It was cool. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, It's it's quite a funny one. Um, So I, I went to London just to take a break. And um, and I think, you know, lots of us kind of did. Sometimes, you know, you have like a, a, a big sort of like changing event because someone that you actually with, you know, kind of led you to make decision or compromise or whatever. But anyway, um, so I, I went to London just to take a break um, from my relationship and kind of like, from you know, from work as well. But I only been working for like, five years like literally just kind of like you know graduate working for five years and then went to London want to take a break so went did some you know study and like lots of plays like lots of parties and then I met someone um, just before I was supposed to come back um you know I planned like a year plan so I like met someone and then decided just like okay fine so I'm just gonna stay and then because I trained as an architect and um, and I mean, 
I, I don't want to go into like, you know, discrimination, blah, 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 in, in the workplace. But anyway, um, because I train as architect. So if I actually want to work, you know, under the UK system, I need to compromise a lot. And I kind of like had to start. From... So you have to basically go down, you have to go down the career snake and do work that yeah. is a bit beneath your yeah. skill set. Yeah. And I mean, I asked because I kind of like done that you know, back in Bangkok, even I've been only been working for like five, six years, but I sort of like managed to, to, to grow really fast, yeah, you, you know, so yeah. I'm, yeah, so I'm quite successful in my career. And then, and then I just think, oh, you know, if I actually going to live in London, do I want to go and work in the practice and kind of like do the technical drawings, like, you know, really boring stuff. And I kind of like, I done that, you know, um, when I first graduate, so like first couple of years, and it's kind of like enough. And I think mm, I don't want to move the country and just have a shit life. <laughs> Let let's just put it that way. And I think you know I don't want to give up like everything, you know, all the yeah high fly things like you know going on um, in Bangkok like back home. So I think no, I, I don't want to give that up. But then what I supposed to do then? So I think oh you know what. Maybe I could just have something that I could run it myself. Um, and I didn't really know much about coffee at the time. <laughs> but I was really, really passionate about coffee. I mean, you know, I love drinking coffee. I kind of like it. You love drinking it, but you didn't know about making no. it or like 5,000 quid coffee machines and all that well, stuff. Well, so I, during my first year in London, while I was studying, partying, you know, um, I work part-time at Brick Lane Coffee. So that's how I, you know, get myself involved with the coffee because I, I love it that much. So it's like, oh, I really want to learn because, you know, in Bangkok, like no chance that you're going to go and work part-time in the coffee shop. Like I, I wouldn't never, ever have that sort of opportunities. So I just think this is a good opportunity and it's quite fun as well, you know, and you probably can imagine like, you know, Brick Lane, <laughs> all those, you know, hipsters. It, it's, it's brilliant. It's really good. And, you know, at that, um, that when where, was that? Um, um, 2008 and nine, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, coffee scene wasn't even that big um, in London back then, you know, but it was so much fun. You know, it was so much fun. That's where I met um, my friends who we still, you know, um, hang out and in touch and become like um, one of my really, really good friends. So, yeah, it's, it's so much fun. And that's where I actually learned, um, you know, how to use the coffee machine. And that's where I first sort of had to clean the toilet. Do you, we all we've all been down the U-Bend first. We've all been down there. All business owners, that's the first thing you learn. That that's it. It's not all avocados and dachshunds in wicker baskets. No. But you you found that you were more sociable than you thought, weren't you, in terms of work? You liked the community aspect. I'm being quite, in the coffee shop. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really socialized person. Um, you know, I, I, I just love going out. I just love party. <laughs> I just love having a good time. That's just me, personally. <laughs> so you um, you got a lease on a building. Yeah. You, you fitted it up with stuff that you just found in skips, but you've got a great eye, so it Pretty turned much. into something cool. 
Yeah. And um, people started coming. No, yeah, they did. Like, um, thanks, Kevin, for that. <laughs> I know, thanks. <laughs> soon, it wasn't soon after that. This is it's a kind of like, a, what we're telling is like a hipster fairy story, aren't we? It's like a hipster version of Cinderella. And then, <laughs> and then suddenly you had a team of all these people and you were having like art things going on in there. And like you were, you were a community hub in the middle of it all. Yeah, I think um, because I found it in 2011, um, I think it, it was my intention to open a cafe and use that as my creative platform. You know, because I know that, okay, I moved the country, so now I try to kind of like, you know, building a new life, like here. And the cafe is, is a good platform for that, you know, to, to get to know people, to actually build the community from there. And I want to use the cafe as my creative outlet. So at the start, um, you know, I offer the free space to local artists and um each year, like the first year, you know, I sort of curate the whole program for the whole year, you know, and start speaking with, well, start with friends like first, you know, and each month um, what we actually going to show. So I start curate from that and it's kind of like grow from there. And, um, and I mean, you have to imagine like Hackerston 2011 on Downham Road, that particular location is literally just like a, a desert. It's like, it's no man land, you know, it's like no one around, unlike today, you know, like 2011, like 10 years ago, it's just, it's completely. Now, it's, now is it like Aesop, ACP? <laughs> now it's just everything. I mean, I mean, you know, back 2011, well, you either go to Dawson, Shoreditch, or Broadway Market, right? So Hackerston is kind of like things in the middle, and um, they are lead residentials. But because I know that, you know, in Hackerston, you have so many creative offices, like creative studios, you have photography studio, um, you know, artists, fashion designers, like, it's, a, it's actually a melting pot, but it's more like offices. You know, and I, and I sort of spot the gap because those people, as I said, whether go to Shoreditch or Dawson for coffee, and normally you wouldn't travel that far. And at the time, you know, the, the, the option for lunch is Tesco. <laughs> Tesco by Hackerston Station. <laughs> it's quite, I know, it's quite grim. So that's why I think, okay, I found this premise and I think, you know, it's right in the middle of all those, you know, creative people. Um, so for my projection, I think, you know, as long as I could make or sell just about 100 cups of coffee, I'd be fine. So that's it. And you that's did. Why I just, that's why I just like, you, you know what, just, you know, just take a risk. And I think the, the number that I got is manageable. So that's kind of, And yeah. um, that's um, what you're describing is a lot of um, young hipsters dreams come true, but that wasn't enough. You then got into creating <laughs> a unique product that you were selling for people to take away your cold yeah. brew coffee. 
yeah. which was so popular. Then you looked at scaling that and selling that into retail. Do you know what cold brew coffee is, Buckers? Is it like those iced lattes you get? Cold coffee. Coffee's mm. gone cold. Put ice in it. Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the um, American version. This is the this is the Haggis version. Is it? It's not the one where you put coconut oil or something in it, is it? But it is. It mm. not mm. quite. But you could. <laughs> I clearly don't know what I'm talking about. You, are you, you let's could. let's get real. Are you an are you a Nescaf granules girl? I'm like supermarket owned decaf instant girl. Mm. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't do caffeine. This this girl does not need caffeine. Okay. I, I don't. Let's I don't, not chat. We're gonna level you up. We're gonna level you up. I think up. it's best I mute myself <laughs> with a yeah. Haggerston cold brew. Just put me on mute. <laughs> Shut me up. <laughs> cold, cold brew i'm gonna fill you in i'm gonna come in now as the fat i'm gonna come in as the buckers fact checker and say cold brew coffee was another example of how first has a natural nose for sniffing out buying <laughs> behavior and trends so first she sniffed out haggerston and she thought well there's an opportunity here to put a bricks and mortar coffee shop in and then secondly she thought well what can i how can i add on another revenue stream brewing coffee in this particular way um, so that you make a coffee concentrate. And so you can take it away as in a bottle and then add hot water. So I don't need a coffee machine mm. at home to make coffee as good as it is in her shop with her expensive coffee machine. And um, that was like, that was the, that was the next branch of your global domination. And that was making you, <laughs> catch the eye of all kinds of people investors magazines all the cool yeah. magazines were coming around to take your photograph and admire your um tattoos <laughs> and put you um in there you know i've had a few since i saw you let last time really i've got the yeah i've got the bug i've got a load really? of stick and poke all over my arms like a 20 year old yeah 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 <laughs> We'll compare that. Show we'll we'll compare yeah. notes later. Comparing the um, and so the what's interesting about it, Buckers, is that those two businesses, a retail product to sell into supermarkets, and a bricks and mortar coffee shop with staff and you know food and that you sell and make every day, they're completely different businesses. Yeah. And yeah. that's when I first met you, when you came to me and said, look, I think I'm going to do this. What do you think? And I yeah. looked slightly terrified, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. You, I, I, like... I mean, you, you surely did. And I mean, <laughs> deep down, I also know it as well. You know, I also know that, um, to be honest with you. I, it, it, what did I say to you then? What did I say to you? Don't do it. Just don't do it. Everyone say that to me. <laughs> I'm not joking you. Um, um, Stu from Minor Figures, right? He said to me yeah. as well, like because he because because soon soon I start reach out to people, you know. Everyone knows that I'm I'm not really into it, but because the product is sort of came out from the body, so good, and and. and you know, and like I said, I mean, after the first year, I, I set up the system for her because that's kind of like also one of my attention. I want the business to run itself because I know like me personally, I get bored really, really quickly, you know, and deep down, I always want to go back and work in design, you know, um, um, built environment. So that's kind of like one of my passion. But because the business, I mean, the cafe at the time, it's 
it's run really well. It's, you know, generate a, a good profit, right? So it's quite sustained, you know, it's quite sustainable. And when I say to people, I mean, after two, three years, like first two, three years, you know, it's run itself. I didn't really have anything to do much, you know, if I'm honest with you. I got loads of free times, which everyone just said, oh, that's a dream. You should be happy. And it's like, I'm not. I need to do something else. You know, I need to do something else. And I say, okay, maybe I just sell the shop because um, that's it. I, I'm, I mean, I prove myself that I could do it. You know, it could run itself, so maybe I just sell it. And everyone just like, no, no, no. That's a, you know, that's a, um, a silly idea. Just, just keep it. And then maybe you go and find out what you actually want to do. And that's why I went and did my MA in narrative environment at Central St. Martins. But I dropped out as well, just because the cost just didn't really meet my expectation, which, and at the time it just, you know, I just, yeah, all over the place. And that's why I just think, okay, you know, the MA wasn't that great um, as I expected. I don't want to spend, you know, 10,000 pounds to do something that I already know, like, you know, stuff like that. Uh, okay, what else could I do? And then, as you say, like, I spot, you know, this trend. And I and I think that, you know, people really appreciate good coffee. However, no one want to go through all the fuss, you know, brewing coffee and, you know, <laughs> how to buy expensive machine, you know, and all that. So I think, okay, you know, I got a bit of knowledge here. Maybe I could produce something you know as a designer right sometimes you know you 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 invent something and 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 make it to solve the problem and like other entrepreneurs you know do um but yeah but deep down i know that um i'm, I'm not really in it <laughs> because i know what would you know what it would take you know to build the consumer brand you know, I know it's going to need a lot of money. You know, it's all about sales. It's all about figures, you know, and then it's not going to be so much fun. You know, nothing to do with the community. Like, it, it just sells, 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 number, number, number. But I have did it anyway. I just feel I was so bored. <laughs> when I say the business is a different bucket, that's what I mean. So when you have a food scale-up business like that, so you create a product and you want to get in supermarkets, it, although it's a food company, it's actually nothing mm. to do with food in a way. It's mm. all just to do with Numbers packaging, sales. operations, yeah. sales, logistics. promotions, yeah. margins, logistics. That's the business. And also the other thing is that we see all these stories of, you know, like the innocent smoothies and all this stuff where the businesses get sold for these huge life-changing amounts of money. And we're all chasing that. But actually the journey mm. on the way you're skint the whole time. You know, that was yeah. my life for 15 years. And you're skint on the way. You have a great time. You know, there's stuff that happens, which is fun. But you're, it's a massive gamble. It's so risky. Yeah. It's the opposite of her's coffee shop. Loads of coffee shops just don't even get to the point of breaking even. And the fact that I remember when I first met you, her, going through your financials and seeing that you were making this money and just thinking, wow you don't i remember saying to you you don't realize i've seen these things so many times and they don't make money it's, it was so amazing that you made money and then um to sort of deviate onto this completely different business model also the other thing are you still with us have we got um a bit of um have we got a technical problem i haven't seen first Has move some, for the looked... last 30 seconds so 
And also the, the position that she's frozen in looks yeah. like she's just gone to her happy place. <laughs> What's she thinking of at the moment, um, do you think? Okay. Little birds tweeting oh, around her head. You're back. You're back. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> so the joys of the, it froze when you were the joys of remote podcast recording over the internet. I know that's it, isn't it? <laughs> what was really funny about her though first is that um normally in my consultancy work, normally mm. people come to me with the opposite problem. They come to me with a business idea that isn't really fit for purpose and a passionate belief in it and desire yeah. to want to do it. And you came with a business that just looked great, that it was completely teed up and you're ready to hit the ball out of the park and you just couldn't be asked to pick up the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Isn't that funny? <laughs> you put it that way. It it is exactly that. <laughs> and I you're know, just like, oh yeah. man, I've got this brilliant business idea. <laughs> oh god, everyone wants to buy the stuff. <laughs> oh. Oh. You know, it was really confusing. I, know, I didn't know, I know what to invite. I didn't know how to advise you. It's really confusing. You know what, Flo? Like until today, I still do really, really believe in the products. Because so do I. It, That's it, what's it, annoying. We could have made a fortune. Product. I mean, it's such a great product. You know, when when you hear like, all the feedback, it's just it's so nice that people be able to just have a good coffee without all the fuss. You know, and as you just say, because that you say that um, you normally drink, um, you know, instant. This is literally work, just like instant, right? And it's just that simple and so easy. You know, I still really believe in it, but I just wish that, yeah, I just wish that someone just, someone just sort of <laughs> carry Do on it for you. It. So, <laughs> and those, and, and what's really interesting, Buckers, is those businesses, those sort of branded food businesses don't tend to work unless the founder is in the driving seat. Yeah. So if you hire someone in to do it, yeah. for this weird, mysterious reason, yeah. it just never never goes never the whole way. No. And when I talk about the scale of like how exciting that proposition was that she she was talking about, that where if you imagine it's not just you going into Waitrose and buying this stuff and having it in your house, right? If you think about a hotel chain like mm. Soho House, how much money do they yeah. spend to put an espresso machine in every yeah. room, right? Even the tiny yeah. cheap yeah. rooms with the bunk beds in or yeah. whatever. So they've got this espresso machine and they've got yeah. the pods and they've got the electrician to fix it when it doesn't mm. break. The room service when the woman says, mm. my pod's stuck in the hole. Mm. Or you can, you can take all of that out, rip out yeah. all of those costs yeah. and you just add another, you add a, a, bottle, a bottle of her cold brew coffee put it in the fridge and it makes Mm. coffee as good as so i'm sitting there she's telling me about this and i'm sitting doing the maths and just Mm. thinking how many branches of soho house are there how many rooms ka-ching 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 and getting really excited and first was like going (laughs) 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 don't fancy it don't fancy it i was like are you out of your mind (laughs) we had a problem and then you kind of um, and then you you were seduced by, you know, the pull of the opportunity. You did move it forward. And 
then okay. something really unusual happened yeah. was that normally at that point, in order to move it forward, you need a big chunk of money. Mm. And normally you then have to go around and do a, do a tap dance routine for all kinds of different people, trying mm. to persuade them to invest. And they, they email back and they say, I want to see the figures for the next four years and I want different packaging and I want this mm. and that. And you go back and forth. And eventually mm. after sort of six months or a year, you might manage to rent your iron some money out of them the phone started ringing you just got offers incoming money incoming ding ding people tried people were just chucking money at it how, how, I don't, no figure yeah i mean i don't actually know um, how, how that happened oh, how that i mean it's i i think i think um I think it just proved that the 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 product got a leg, like definitely. You know, the first day, um, first first day that we launched um, in Selfridges, um, you know, we we did the sample, and um, and one of the VC, he, he well, he happened to be in you know um, Selfridges, and then he sort of like walked past and then tried the coffee, drank the coffee, and I think. From his first sip, he's just like, "What's what is this?" You know, and then he's just really curious, like, "What what is it?" And then we sort of explain, "Okay, this is how it works." And then he's like, "Hmm." And then he went, and then he gone for about twenty minutes. Came back with one of his team, <laughs> and you know, came back with one of the girl. Try the coffee, and it's like, yeah, see, like you know, and then okay, I start telling him the story um, and how the products actually worked, and then at the end, they sort of hand me this, you know, business card and just say, um, so we from this, do do do, you know, venture capital, we would like to invite you to come in for tea. Oh well, coffee, whatever. <laughs> And it's like, oh, okay. And then, yeah, and then it just sort of went from there and then, you know, went to the first meeting. And they pretty much just like, okay, so here's the money. H how much you need? This is the money. <laughs> just take it. And I just like, hang on a minute. Take I need to go home and think about this. Because I know that if, if I take that money, I, I know what's going to happen. And I kind of like, you know, need, need to talk to myself. Do I actually want to go down that route? And again, um, the fact that, you know, we got into the selfages, for, for me at the time, I kind of like, oh, that's it. I, I sort of proved the concept and I didn't really want anything, you know, to go further than that. Um, but yeah, but took me about couple, maybe about two, three months actually, just to get to know the VC and just to, you know, really understand like how they see it, you know. And um, what one of the projection, uh, one meeting. This is really funny. Um, so I did the projection for them, and then they look and it's like, first, why you have to do the number like so conservative? <laughs> like why you have to be. They thought yeah. your cash projections, yeah. your sales projections were just, you just completely <laughs> under-egged it. And that, the reason that's funny, Buck, is, is that normally founders have the opposite approach. So our classic founder who has a sort of a, a, an okay-ish product, but masses of ambition and confidence and drive, will make this, will come to investors and they'll say, oh yeah, I think I'm going to sell 
20,000 pairs of shoes <laughs> next week and then 100,000 the week after. And they were saying that you, so you played yeah. it all a bit down. A bit yeah, no, they're just like, why, why do you have to be so realistic? <laughs> just, <laughs> just booze up with a number a bit. And it's like, okay. I mean, what's the point of doing that? <laughs> the other thing that's really interesting is that normally there's a there's a kind of road that you walk down with investment whereas you use your own money at first then the next you know you tap up your friends and family blood relatives then angel investors who are private individuals who invest small amounts of money and venture capitalists who are professional investors that's way further down the line and normally they don't touch a business with a barge pole until it's up and running and almost profitable or you know showing signs of being very lucrative and the fact that they drank your coffee in selfridges kind of and invested sort of 20 minutes later when you had two stores is just it's kind of crazy it's crazy it's like um (laughs) it is bonkers so you got the investment over the line and uh, Buckers is now on tenterhooks, hoping that this is going to have a happy ending. <laughs> Can you see that? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> well, it kind of has. It has one of those kind of anti fairy tale happy endings because does she sort of settle down and get married with the married to the venture capitalist and just live happily ever after? No. <laughs> the money comes in, and because first is well we have words for this now we didn't at the time you weren't living with integrity you weren't aligned were you You weren't aligned with your purpose you were Mm. doing something which your intuition was telling you wasn't right for you yeah but the opportunity was so um, glaring Mm. that you overrode that Mm. intuition inside you saying this isn't right for you this isn't right for you and you were doing it anyway Mm. and this is what people now have these words for and they call alignment living in alignment and living and living an authentic life and we know now which we didn't know then that what happens when you don't you're not in alignment yeah is that you're you you became a stressed person didn't you 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 know you started to really suffer with it what was that like what happened really stress um because i mean imagine if it's just you you know you run you 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 got one one business been running for about five years okay that's fine you know it's it's running itself it's fine it's settled and then you starting a, a new business but it's still just you and even the cafe running smoothly but they still needed you right you know the manager still had to come you know ask you for literally every single thing so you just like in demand all the time like literally all the time and with the new team um you know which i'm trying to build you know um everyone in the new team they've, they've been absolutely great brilliant um but the fact that everyone just like needed you constantly all the time and then I go home each day. I just and I didn't really have enough capacity even for myself, you know. Let let alone my boyfriend. And and at the time, it's just like everything just going pear shape. It's just it's just horrible, you know. Because but how did it feel like in your body and in your mind? What was happening? I mean, I mean, I think because I actually run on the um, stress hormone, <laughs> like you know. So I. I, I tend to work really well under stress 
and that's what drive me. So I do everything like really fast, really quick. But then, um, but then it's it just it's just the question of like, okay, I need to do this. I need to do this. But I didn't actually look beyond myself and and other people apart from the so you just react you're just constantly like reacting to what's react, in front of you kind of, like yeah. ping pong just, ping ping yeah, ping ping pretty much that and then you know i couldn't i couldn't see anything else apart from work you know and that's really weird i don't know where's that actually come from because it's not like i i had to prove myself to anyone right it's not even that but it just I don't know. It just it, it's weird. I was in such a weird stage. I think you know at the time I, I couldn't even think much apart from whatever in front of me. You know I can't think. You know far ahead or beyond that. You know I kind of just see you know the daily tasks, whatever I need to do, and then okay, plan, plan, plan. Everything is all about business, business, business. Um, but then one day, but because I've been so stressed and then my relationship, it just, oh, like horrible, you know, and me personally, just in a really not very good, um, you know, I, I had to see a therapist, you know, which is just like, yeah. And, um, mm. so because in that cycle, so when I said mm. like what was going on in your body and your mind, the answer is that you didn't know because you didn't. I didn't you, know. You, you'd set up a system that demanded yeah. this responsive yeah. action from you all the time, doing yeah. something that you didn't particularly want to do. Yeah. And so you didn't even yeah. have time to check in with us because I know now that you're committed yoga. You, you practice yoga regularly, and and for most people, that's the tool of what you know. For a lot of people who practice yoga, that's one of the reasons they do it right is a tool to check in to scan yourself yeah and you, you weren't you didn't have any room in that situation that you're in to check in with yourself so no. you wouldn't have even known if i'd have said to you now then how are you doing you wouldn't have even yeah. known because there was no space to find out yeah yeah i mean i uh, yeah just you know I, I couldn't give you that answer because i didn't actually know how how, how i feel at the time but i think things start um you know coming up i think i mean things like from my childhood you know i mean it's more like a personal thing and that's why i start question myself like the yeah. business doing really, like going really well your relationship going well I'm, I'm not well in particular but i mean you know you've been with this you know with your boyfriend for like you know five years six years you know he's brilliant so everything's going well but what's wrong with you so, so that's sort of like things that come up. And then um, all my childhood trauma start coming up from nowhere. And I just like, where this come from? Like all this stuff. And then I actually had like a suicidal thought, which never, ever happened. And that's kind of like a signal that that's, I think that point made me think something not quite right here. Well, a big thing not quite right. Yeah, like, so I was, went to the GP and then, yeah. It was compounded. I know because I knew you at the time. And what was happening then was like, as you were taking the hit, like you were suffering the effects mental health-wise for what you were doing, 
the difficult thing was on the outside, everyone, you were living their dream life. So people were saying, oh my God, the business is doing so well. Oh, wow, you got investment. Yeah. Yay. So everyone was doing yeah. a cheerleader dance around you. Yeah. And, and yeah. like you've won the lottery. Hard, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's that even harder. It's really hard. Because make you don't have space least, there yeah. to say, yeah. I'm not happy. Because it, you know, it's like... Yeah someone who's yeah. you know married a prince and moved into the castle and it's just like i'm, I'm not happy it's like we well, you, sh- you should be because you've got what we want well that's it isn't it <laughs> it's really hard and um so the wheels kind of came off and what happened when you 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 were forced to drop the ball so you became mm. you weren't able to function because you just pressed yourself too hard mm. And yeah. then the other interesting twist in this story is what one would expect in that situation when you weren't able to move the business forward and said, like, can't do this, won't do this, sorry. Yeah. Your investors' reaction was quite surprising. I know. Tell us about I that. I know. They're just, um, they're really, really, really supportive. I think that made me think that, the reason why I choose to work with them is because of that. I, I can see. I, I think, yeah, because I think I can see from day one, you know, I think that they not like other VC or other investors that I met, you know, in the past. And their attention is just, they, they're really genuine. And, um, and yeah, so... So, um, you know, it took me a while to just, to just, obviously I had to go through, you know, um, all my thoughts and the thought process and make sure that this is the right decision for me. You know, at the time it's like, okay, this is not the time to think about the business, but me. So, and then I think, okay, th- this is the right decision. I don't actually know what's what gonna happen. You know, um, I might not have a job, you know, but what does that actually mean? But if I carry on like this, I'm probably not going to last. Yeah. Like me personally, yeah. probably not going to last. So I think I, I need to make a decision and that's the right one. Um, so I went and um, spoke to um, the vice president. So, you know, one of the, yeah, so so the, the, the head guy of the VC. And... He just and he 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 sit there and just listen, you know, and take it all in, and then he just said to me like, "Look first, we invested in you. So if you're not all right, there is no point to pushing, you know." And then he just like come up with, "Okay, so." What could I do? No, he asked me first, what would you like to do? Do you like this business, this brand to going forward or you want to just stop it all together? You know, so that's the first question. And then the second was, what could I do? What you want us to do in this situation? And I just literally... Just like broke down in tears. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that people actually listen. The reason that's so great, it's so great to hear that. 
Um, last week on the podcast, we talked to Farah Kabir, who is um, the founder of a um, uh, vegan condom company. And mm. she talked about, she loves her job. She's brilliant at it. Her and her co-founder are absolutely smashing it. And she talked about her former career in the city in banking. And it was mm. so great to hear her say, I loved that too. Because normally mm. the whole kind of tropes around um, the startup world are, you yeah. know, and I'm guilty of this as well because it's true for me, is to say, you know, mm. I had to start my own business because I was a square peg in a round hole. I didn't fit in in those kind of big companies. But she was very happy and fulfilled in both. And it's so great. Yeah. The, the tropes around venture capitalist investment are that they're sort of odious money grabbing, that there's loads yeah. of skullduggery and that yeah. they just are looking to get a return on their investment yeah. and no matter what the price is. So it's really yeah. good to hear you say that. And it's yeah. it's really, really great. And they're so fair. They're so fair, seriously, since day one. I think that that's that's the main reason why I think, oh, you know what? I, I just, you know, give it a shot because this opportunity is just incredible just to be able to work with them, you know, like, even the equity that they asked me, it, it's reasonable. ridiculous. Yeah. It's really reasonable. You know, I, I, I told everyone, and people just like, what? <laughs> you, you know, like with your projection, everything just like so conservative. Like how, how can you give, like how can they give you this money with this amount of equity? You know, so that's why I just think, okay, they, 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 they treat me really, really fairly and They've been absolutely amazing. And I have to say, even the fact that, you know, I decided to just close it down, stop, walk away from it. But the experience that I had with them, it just, you know, so valuable. You know, just to have that connection and just to learn from them as well. You know, they're they incredible. And thank goodness, because behind the scenes the situation that you're describing in terms of your mental health crisis at that mm -hmm. point you know, that's that's grave and the outcome could have been very different had they threatened to yeah. sue you for gross misconduct yeah. had they pressurized yeah. you had they exactly. you know um attempted to oblige you to fulfill your contractual exactly. obligations which they could have done and other people may may have, have done and the fact that they didn't completely change the outcome for you and enabled you yeah. to recover from that sort of pinch point quickly. Yeah. And what, what did you do? Where did you, you started practicing a lot of yoga and you started getting interested in buildings <laughs> again, started looking at drawing yeah. buildings. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, the yoga is really, really help. So this year, um, it's what coming, um, three years of the practice uh, yeah it's it, it, it's really good the yoga I practice like every morning um five six days a week um that's give me a headspace no doubt and then I took a whole year off you know so I saw I actually saw her and um, the cafe back in 2018 but that's sort of like October and then um I literally took a whole year off because I just feel like I don't want to do anything like nothing um, and at the time I just thinking okay I really want to go back and work in the built environment um you know want to do um creative design job 
um, and then start looking. But somewhat, I went and finished my MA um, in urban planning. So I did that like 2019 and um, finished like graduate last year, 2020 with distinction. So, so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really like, you know, a, a hard year um, because we got the lockdown as well, you know, and yeah. doing the dissertation, like during the lockdown, it wasn't fun. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that it's all done. And you're now an architect again. Yeah, I mean, um, it just, so I had to say like, you know, the architect, not just, um, design the building right so for me um, I would say I'm more of the the narrative and spatial practitioner because I really love to work with like a um, sort of you know public space with people with the narrative you know it could be in many form it could be um, some sort of art installation events um it could be museums it could be exhibition it could be public room um you know so that's kind of like the area of my expertise because i'm, I'm not really into design building like for me i just think it's a bit boring <laughs> your, your point of view is always the human point of view what would it look what would it look and feel like to be in this space who is this space for how does it make yeah. us feel yeah, yeah. i'm interested in in the the story and the people you know um I, i'm really interested in that and i think um you you can you can do that sort of work in you know many um different discipline um brand experience also a part of it right you know, when all the brands want to do like these pop-up, you know, events, get the consumer to come in and, you know, um, so yeah, so that's also a part of it. But yeah, I really enjoy like, you know, create a space that have people and actual story involved. That just, just a lot more fun, I think. In a, in a funny way, it circles back to the coffee shop. A cafe. <laughs> yeah, it's the same it's the same thing yeah, like um, people mm -hmm. creativity um curatorship um yeah. at atmosphere all of those same same things yeah. but just in a in but a in bigger a different way scale. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah 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 and um how long have you been in, so you're doing two you're running two projects at the moment you're you're um working on two projects right yeah one in bangkok and one in the uk Yes. So this uh, museum project is came as a surprise. I mean, I didn't really expect it. And then, well, imagine um, I hand over my dissertation last year. Uh, when was that? August, September, I think, you know, and we in the middle of pandemic. So obviously there wasn't any work. <laughs> and I just think, oh, dear, <laughs> just, you know, what a perfect timing. <laughs> to graduate so I kind of start freaking out I think oh my god you know um I'm probably not going to be able to find a job um because there wasn't any you know especially in the placemaking um you know exhibition like public rooms like all this you know um public space involvement it's kind of like not not many just because of the pandemic and then I start 
plan a new business already <laughs> but this is one more like a creative community so like base and i think okay well this might be my destiny <laughs> i just think okay if there isn't any job that's it i just gotta create one for myself and um, but luckily i got offered this um incredible job it, it just it just came you know from one phone call um my old boss in in Bangkok. I used to work with him, and um, when I first sort of like graduate, um, for a couple of years, do this you know museum um, brand experience like like stuff like that, and then uh, but because we we still like keep in touch, and then he sort of texts me saying that oh, I got this museum project, and I want you to be a project director. It's like what. And I didn't even believe it. It's like, are you joking? And then he's like, okay, yeah. And he used to phone me and then explain, you know, what's the role going to be. And I kind of like, okay. And then I hung up. It's like, this is a bit too good to be. <laughs> but it's, you know, but then it just happened. So he phoned me in November um, last year. And then he said, can you just come out in December? And just start like January. It's like, what? Do you know what people would say? They'd say it's because you're in alignment now. It's because you're, yeah, it's because you, you know, you paid attention. Yeah. And you're doing what you should be doing. You're working in your zone of genius. Mm. And so you're experiencing flow again. (laughs) You're definitely so much, you're definitely back to your normal self. When I last saw you, you're definitely, I feel like there's been, last time I spoke to you was when I interviewed you for Courier Magazine with Danny Mm. Giacopelli on the Courier podcast. And, um, not that much time had elapsed between, you know, that yeah. um, the yeah. low point to, and so now some more time has gone. It's great to see you're, you're, you're back. I can, I can feel it. I can Aww. feel like that you're doing your thing again. It's great. I really admire you for letting go of, it's hard to let go of opportunities that can, you know, people are saying, oh, it's going to be worth this much money. It's going to do this, blah, blah. It's really hard to let go of those things. And you're mm. just a great example of what happens when you do what's right for you, you know? I think you have to be really true to yourself, I think. I mean, you know, because that, that, that's why I've been stuck in that, yeah. you know, circle for, for that long, for seven years, you know, just because that's it, that, that's it. You know, you say it to yourself, oh, oh, the opportunity is just too great. You know, you can't just walk away from it, like, you know, and that's what you keep telling yourself. No, without actually listening to yourself, even you keep saying, oh, but I hated it. <laughs> you know, like deep down, it's like, away, yeah. I hated it. I know, I hated it. I don't want to do it. You know, but you still carry on doing it. It's, yeah, it's, it's horrible. But the, the, the museum is um, it's going well. Um, it's been really, really fun. So I started in January, um, did the 14 days quarantine in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing experience but um but yeah um going well um just done the narrative design for the museum and then now we're going to move on to the next phase um develop the actual building the the architecture and hopefully um we aim to open next year quarter three so like summer and that's a happy ending for you buckers we got there in the end we did and it was worth it it was so worth it we can't um we can't finish without bringing you back to your point that you teased us with earlier on the subject of tattoos we have been waiting for this moment get yourself get your 
was that first? I that one. Look out, Charles, please. I say, say. We need explanations of them because we can't see them. First, what have you got up your sleeves? Oh, they're lovely. They're nice. I like them. I'm going to get my hand done again. I'm going to get one there. What this is light is... in the hands? Like on the hands? Yeah, I mean, a bit sore. <laughs> Fleur, what have you got on your hands? Can you tell I've us? I've got um, my kid's kiss. She blows a kiss. Aww. So a little, a little X yeah, on your palm. I've got some uh, line, line. I like, like geometric lines just for no real reason. How how is feel like on the um on the fingers? I really I like it. It's fun. Yeah. Because they move when you move them around. Look. Yeah, true, true, true. The other thing um that people are often curious about, apart from your um art inking on your arm, is your name. Do you want to just uh, tell Buckers how you got your brilliant name? How did they think I named this I named this baby first? How? First born, easy. <laughs> A bit lazy as well. <laughs> You're a first child, that's it. And don't you have another part of your name that means engineer? Yeah. So, Which part is it? So, the Thai people, right, have the, the actual official name, the Thai name, um, tend to be quite long. So that's why, like, every single Thai person tends to have a nickname. However... Like, I don't really want to call it nickname because it's not. Because everyone actually call you or call me first, right? What's on your passport, though? What's your long name? But my long official name. Go on. Wissawapon. What is it? Wissawapon. Wissawapon Sukpaipon. 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 That's really good. And it means engineer. Yeah, it's so it? lame because both of my parents, they're, <laughs> they're engineer. It's really lame. Does that mean if Buckers have a baby, has a baby, she'll have to call her podcaster? <laughs> I don't think no. that's ever going to happen, Fleur. I can't. <laughs> Especially, did you get that? Speaking of that, did you get the um, free condoms that um, Farrah was going to send you? I'm yet to receive my package of barrier contraceptives. Okay, well... <laughs> so maybe it'll happen sooner than we think. Do you like the segue? Yeah, thanks for oh, that. Okay, good. <laughs> we go back to preventative parenthood. No, thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for being here from Bangkok. It's lovely to see you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Oh, and I... um, before we go, can I sell another project of my... Yeah, yes. Yes to everything. Plug away. No, the vertical farming. No, I, I, I want to... That's in the UK, right? That's in the UK. I want to tell people just because I believe that, you know, this could be a good opportunity for the council estate. And um, so I got the... Um, I got a grant, a small grant from Foundation for Future London um, to carry out the desired research... Um, for vertical farming intervention into tower block. So in re in um, in um, tower blocks where people live, yes. putting yes. ways to do like the way like having gardening allotments in tower blocks. Yeah. That yeah. Type of but thing. I would say, but I would say, um, I want to stay away from the allotment idea. Okay, fine. But <laughs> the way yeah. I grow veg in my garden and eat it in the summer. It's a solution yeah. that people who live in urban areas and yeah. will, will be able to do that. Yeah. 
yeah but um but my desired proposal focusing on utilizing the vertical voice space if you yeah. think about the tower block you know yeah. let's say if the council estate have two tower block and think about the in-between space that right. usually yes. you know well not unused but people don't actually see it isn't it because it's, it's yeah it's like a boy so yes. we try to utilize those space by implement this vertical farming add on to that so it would help in terms of climate change and also offer the you know opportunity for the community to come in and have more of the social engagement and hopefully have the financial benefit from growing vegetable through this control environment where can people find out more? Buckers is a, um, a good little researcher, aren't you? And she does really good. She writes really good notes because it's something that I'm not very good at. And so we can put links to all of this in the show notes if people want to find out more about the vertical farming project. Yeah. Will you so, pass those um, on to Buckers? Yeah. So you could go Great. on to um, Foundation for Future London and um, one of our projects would be in there. But we haven't actually set up the um, the website for this yet. Um, it's going to be a pilot project on site, um, which also in Hackerston, of course. <laughs> Great. Back in, and your, hopefully in, in your manner. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, hopefully like this summer people can see something. And um, we hope to take this further. So hopefully we can apply for a bigger grant you know, and can carry out a proper pilot project, like a proper scale. It sounds like the kind of thing that um, eventually could get you like maybe an OBE or a damehood. Are we thinking dame <laughs> first of Haggerston? Yes. Yeah. yeah let's let's go for it. <laughs> let's do it. Do you let's get like a big... Um, do you get one of those like big medallions when you're a day? <laughs> no, that's a um. Oh, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the mayor. Well, we <laughs> it's can, different. We can start yeah. with that. <laughs> I just had visions of you kind of like waltzing around London Imagine. with your with like a big cycling, metal medallion, cycling. but that's actually like a town crier or something. It's a first of recycling on her e-bike <laughs> and go um, and inspect this vertical farming. <laughs> It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for being our podcast guest. And I can't wait Thanks for the so next right. catch up because every time there's a gap of two years and we speak, you've always done something amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much, Claire and Becca, for having me. That's the end of this week's episode of The Real Work Podcast. If you want more from me before the next episode or you'd like to learn more about real work, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube where I share experience and advice for women who want to work and earn on their own terms. My Instagram handle is at doreal.work and on YouTube it's Real Work, all capitals, all one word. Please rate and review this podcast if you know how <laughs> and tell people about it. It all helps. Thank you for being here. See you next time. Cool, that was a good one. I really feel like um, I feel like I'm really finding my stride with this podcast. I've had such good feedback. It's been amazing. And people have been leaving such terrific reviews on iTunes. Did I tell you it got to number 14 in the chart? It, yeah. Lady Entrepreneurs yeah, Club, number 14. So I can't believe good. it. Like one week in. Thank you so much. I mean, I really, 
it's it's so much to do with you know your support that we did there. How, you're doing one, aren't you? A comedy one. How how's that going? Your com your comedy one. Who are you doing it with? Oh yeah, um, I'm doing comedy podcasts with an old friend of mine from back in the radio days, and we actually we our launch day coincided with the Real Work podcast launch day, so we launched at the same time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, how's it going? Do people like it? Yeah, we're getting really good, really good feedback. And we actually got to, um, we got to number one in the stand-up comedy podcast charts in UK. Which oh. we weren't, really weren't expecting. But, you know, we're, we are number one. super, super pleased with it. In the it. first yeah. week? Yeah. But number 14 still amazing, Fleur. Re like, really amazing. It is, it is. We're, we're, we're very, I'm very pleased for you. Thank you. Um, do you think it would be okay for me to play my uh, my advert now? Of course. Yeah, just pop it on. If you want to make a podcast that your audience will adore, where the thought of making it yourself terrifies you to the core, then you know who to call. Producer Buckers, she knows just what to do. Producer Buckers, to make your podcast dreams come true. She used to work in radio where she was morning radio, a dab hand at audio. Find Producer Buckers on Instagram at decibel underscore creative or click the link in the show notes. Come on, everyone. Producer, Producer Buckers, if you want to hire the best. Producer Buckers, just put it to the test. Producer Buckers. Just press record and she does the rest. Producer Parker. 